0: You are so lovely and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure and an honor. I love you big.
1: <laughs> love you. It's Friday Eve, everybody, and I have got another special, special guest on the show today. I guess like attracts like, and I happen to be friends with some incredibly talented writers, including my wonderful friend, CJ Wade, who is the editor-in-chief of the inspirational blog, Listening at the Speed of Life, at www.therightwade.com. W-R-I-T-E-W A-D-E dot com. She is also the author of the book The Morning After and is a lovely person I've known for eight years. Can you believe that it's been eight years?
0: Amazing.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the show,
0: my friend. Thank you for having me, friend. It's so good to see you. It's so
1: good (laughs) to see your face. I haven't seen you in person in, in so long, and it's just good to see your beautiful face. Our listeners don't get the privilege of seeing your beautiful smile, but I do. So I'm soaking it up. So um, I want to know a little bit about your history with reading. Have you always enjoyed reading?
0: Yes. I used to carry books with me in the backseat of my grandparents' car. Um, So (laughs) that's just, that's just the normal. (laughs) Yeah. I've always been a reader, uh, a a nerd of, uh, of anything, whether it was outer space books, whether it was about Biology, um, food, it, it didn't matter what it was. I wanted to read all of it, and I spent plenty of days after school, Saturday mornings, summer weeks at the library. So yeah, I was that kid. I'll actually get dropped off at the library.
1: Me too. <laughs> Me too. I mean, the library. First of all, it was air conditioned in the summer, right? Yes. And it had yes. all the books, and so Absolutely. I could spend an entire afternoon in the library as a child and be the happiest girl.
0: exactly I I could travel anywhere I wanted to go in my brain and that's it that's
1: it is that books like I said this on the show in an early episode of the show but I didn't go anywhere in COVID I barely left my house but I went everywhere because what I did was I read all of these travel books and Mm -hmm. so I would go to Greece one day and then be in Mexico the next day and you know that's that's the power of books is it they take you everywhere you want to go they really do
0: They really do. Reading is such a powerful tool um, for any age and especially in an opportunity like, and I say opportunity, um, like the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and I I say that very, very choicely that it gave us the opportunity to do a lot of things and to reflect and to pay attention and reading was definitely viable. I went. I think
1: I've said this like 10 times on this show already, but I'm going to say it again because I don't think I've ever told you. I showed up at my library once and I had 45 books on hold at, during the pandemic. And they said, are you sure you want to get all of these? I said, absolutely. And I brought them all back by the two or three week deadline. I mean, I just tore through, but it's all I, it's all I did. I mean, Netflix got old after a while, Hulu right. maxed that out and just, I just, was, I'm always a voracious reader, but especially during the pandemic, and the pandemic is still going on, but during the height of the pandemic, I should say, right. um, more than ever. So, so, okay, let's talk about writing then. So when
0: did you begin sure. writing? About the same time. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what I would do is I would always take a book, and one of my favorite books was very, uh, it was big, and it was thin, uh, and it was about outer space and planets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I liked it because I could write on it. So I would keep my loose leaf paper um, inside the book, and then I'd always have a pen or a pencil. And I felt like I had a two-in-one, you know? (laughs) So I would carry that, and this was preschool age, you know, I would carry that in the back of my grandparents' car, I would carry Mm -hmm. it with my mom, um, would take us anywhere, I just, I always had book, paper, pen, pencil, like those just Mm non-negotiable. And so my writing happened as a result of all the reading and so yes, I wrote, that's what I say too. Yeah, I wrote a, a little short story in kindergarten and um, submitted it to a, um, a writing competition uh, for the state. And um, I never thought of it as necessarily something that was a profession. Even initially, it was just an outlet. It was a way for me as an introverted child to just express myself that mm-hmm. things I didn't feel comfortable saying, I could say it on paper a lot better. that's beautiful that's beautiful and I
1: and I found and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this that the more I read the better writer I am
0: oh my gosh absolutely I love learning from different writing styles Mm -hmm. Um, there's one writer that I particularly like and what's funny is I don't read all of their their work because their genre is not my favorite but they are exceptional at imagery Mm-hmm. And so it just helps me to sharpen my skills on, you know what, okay, maybe I can paint this picture a little differently in my work, or what other words can I use to describe this situation? Um, so I always think that we can learn something from every, everybody.
1: Oh, but yeah,
0: the sure. more I read, absolutely, I don't care if it's a magazine, you know, the right. more I read, the better writer I definitely believe I am.
1: And I'm going to talk in a little bit in my yesteryear pick uh, about a, a writer that I wish I could write half as well as she does but I want to know what are a couple of books that you've read lately be that be it fiction nonfiction, whatever magazine articles
0: anything that you have enjoyed oh my goodness so let me give a caveat because I know there are some diehard individuals there, me included, um, that say if it's not between the, the two spines, it's not reading, right? So they're like, no audio books, you know, none of that stuff. I well, really I agree with that.
1: I, I don't, know. And I do
0: subscribe I, to that. Exactly. And so I wanted to give that as a, as a disclaimer. No, <laughs> I, become, I think any way you can take in a work is is,
1: I mean, example, I've never been to see the Mona Lisa in person, but I can still appreciate its beauty you know and so am I not am I not fully taking? maybe maybe it's better if enjoyed in person but I still can appreciate the art and I think you know words can be appreciated whether they're spoken written read whatever see and that's why we're related yeah and that's 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 why why. we're friends (laughs) that's why we're sisters in this writing reading world that we're in
0: that's it. That's why we clicked from the so get-go. I get you. I get you, totally. So you <laughs> yeah. don't even have to put that disclaimer out there. I totally get it. Okay, that's great. Because I, I admit that I was one of those purists at one point where I was like, you gotta read it, gotta hold it. Which I still feel um, it's something, there's something uh, sexy about holding, you know, the book in my hand. Mm-hmm. But I've discovered the art of audiobook listening listening um, over the years and just mm-hmm. really soaking in, especially when it's read by the author. So I love that, Mm -hmm. that input. So one of the books that I read recently um, is called I Am Restored, uh, How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith by Lecrae. And Lecrae is a gospel rap, hip hop artist. Uh, Well, Christian, um, I think he's technically under the genre of Christian hip hop or Christian rap. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's done so many collaborations across the board with, with various artists and What I appreciate about that book and about him as an author, this is not his first book, but what I appreciate him in this book is how raw he was with the reality that being a person of faith did not mean that you could not go through depression, that you could not question and have doubts about your faith, Mm -hmm. um, that you could not have conversations with individuals on a discovery to try to grasp hold to your faith again. And sometimes that gets lost in translation with, um, with the faith community, is that if you are a believer in Christ, and that means that all of a sudden there's a shell of perfection that surrounds you, and that is totally not true. What God knows me; that's not true. <laughs> it's not true whatsoever. I would like
1: to debunk that myth from my
0: personal life <laughs> to everyone in the world. <laughs> I second that. Um, so I love that book, and he talks about how he even discovered the different types of Christianity throughout the world. So, like sometimes here in America. We listen to American ministers, you know, we we tend to listen to who was around us. And he just talked about how he had to open up his mind to say, wow, okay, now I am going on a trip to Israel. Now I'm going on a trip to um, to Egypt or, you know, and just different places he went to and then listen how other Christians around the world were digesting you know, those, um, those holy scriptures. And it was just very interesting to just hear him have this full circle, comprehensive understanding of what his faith is to him and also how liberating it was. Um, he does touch a bit about how there are individuals in the faith community that sometimes struggle with race relations. Um, LGBTQ plus community um so he even dives into the, the 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 hairy details uh of how people deal with that in the faith community and how they deal with it around the world um and I just loved the book it was very transparent it was very real and mm-hmm. I identified with a lot of different pages on it so I'm yeah, adding I that to
1: my library queue literally as we speak that is <laughs> That is my kind of book, and I will tear that book up. And, you know, not that any of our listeners are here for uh, this but I would just love to publicly say that you can from my life as an example have Jesus and a therapist at the same time listen and and <laughs> and, and be the better for it let me tell you so um, I have both I can't survive without Jesus and I cannot survive without Peggy who is my therapist so
0: listen okay yeah. I have a therapy session today that's, that's one thing right. I don't play with is my faith in my in my therapy because all of me is important
1: (laughs) that's right you gotta have both i mean i truly believe that god made therapists good at what they do so that they can be in my case peggy's a christian therapist she's my earthly hands and feet representation of you know she's a vessel for for my faith too so um let's let's just dispel that right now that you can have both and life is better when you do in my personal opinion
0: That's right. The word of God actually says, I'll just take a quick detour. It actually says that we're supposed to use our gifts to serve others. Mm. And I would be, it, it would be absolutely crazy to think that having a counseling spirit and a counseling heart is not a gift that can be shared with other people. So if you are divinely just attuned to, um, to help others and guide them through untangling the knots of their minds and their emotions um, and and stressors in life, if that's something that you really gravitate toward, to me, it's no different than being gravitated toward being a chef or being an engineer. You know, that's a gift and it needs to be used.
1: (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. I mean, both of my parents, I don't even know if you know this, but both of my parents our mental health professionals and mm-hmm. so they've you know they spent their entire careers using their gifts in that realm and you know that's that's what they're there for i i believe that no one was skipped in the gift giving process and it's our decision whether we use god's gifts to us to the full and i love therapists that do because god knows this world i i think everybody could benefit from a therapist, but that's just my two cents. So Sure.
0: And he mentions that in the book too, you know, about how he had to um, embrace therapy as well, you know, after not growing up doing so, right. Mm -hmm. Not being taught that that was okay to do. And um, so, yeah, I love that he shares a lot of his life experiences and just kind of melds them all into this lesson of what he has now understood his faith to be. So
1: good for him first for speaking out about that, because that's, you know, that's got to be challenging as someone who's so deeply rooted in the Christian community to say, hey, it's okay to go to therapy, because that might not always be the popular opinion. But I'm, I'm, I have just added the book to my cart. So <laughs> that will be for sure read in the near
0: future. So what, i would love to talk to you about it later. That'd be great. Oh, we'll we'll <laughs> download,
1: <you> <laughs> we'll download that together off <laughs> offline for sure. Maybe over dinner or something, because now we can do such things. So, um, so any other books you've read lately or, or poems, magazine articles, whatever that, that you, that stand out to you?
0: Sure, um, so I wanna go back into the book category, uh, use my okay. Jeopardy voice. Um, <laughs> so I love Rita Moreno, uh, the actress is, yeah. in my mind, we're related um (laughs) she's somewhere in my gene pool in my brain and uh Rita if you're listening um I would love to to meet you long lost uh aunt of some sort so um she has a memoir and um it's not new it came out I want to say it was in 2011 ish Mm -hmm. but I never read it there were so many books that like you said you kind of just have in your queue and just kind of get to it and I had a chance to get to it and I love her journey and she reads the book if you do the audio uh, version of it Um, so I loved hearing her voice uh, talk um, about her childhood and what I appreciate about her memoir is that it wasn't just about hey these are all the things that happened in my life. She really humanizes the immigrant experience Mm. Um, as a child how they came to America, how her mother brought her to America, and how her mother had to make some really difficult choices in order to create a certain type of life for her, um, including leaving her son behind. Oh, wow. Um, So she describes uh, Puerto Rico she describes it beautifully, and she talks about it as if a child would talk about it, that we were here, and now all of a sudden we're in New York, and it's cold, and I'm from a tropical environment, you Mm. know, I'm used to barely wearing, you know, anything, because it's warm, and it feels good, and eating fresh food, and now we have to eat from a can, this is, this is weird, and um, that's kind of how it starts, and it starts with the the traumatizing transition. And then you get to understand how she has to develop as a woman in the entertainment industry. And then as a woman, Um, who was really trying to break in an industry that was still typecasting people of of color. And so um, she talks about how having to lighten her skin and and then change her hair and just modify herself to where she fit the Hollywood norm, Mm -hmm. but then how she had to also adjust to make sure she didn't change herself in the essence of who she was. Um, so I I loved it it was a beautiful story of how someone can yes go from nothing to something you know we we have that story in our brains but Mm -hmm. I love how she humanizes the experience of her life to where you're not just hearing about peaks and valleys you're listening to her emotions you know what it felt like when she decided to get married and um how she decided to uh move in her career and, and prepare for auditions and decide what not to audition for and how she wanted to be sure that she was portraying, um, people that were in the Latinx community in a positive light. Um, so I just, I just, I love her anyway. She's amazing. She's saucy. She's intelligent. Um, and her book just reaffirmed that for me. Well,
1: I will be adding that to my cart as well. And I, I think autobiographies are probably my favorite genre oh, and, yeah. and, uh, and seconded closely by biographies. And sure. I just, this, this show is mostly, um, nonfiction picks with a little dash of fiction. I actually just, I'll have to tell you offline who it is. I actually just booked my first fiction author, um, this week. And so I'm very excited when we start season two to, to bring her on. I'm super pumped about that. But I, I just really gravitate a lot towards nonfiction. and It's just interesting that you've brought to the table two nonfiction
0: picks and memoirs at that. So, yeah, I love them. Um, to me, it gives the chance for me to hear the essence of who they are from them. You know, instead of reading about them, it's like, I want to let you take center stage and tell me about you. That's how I look at memoirs and autobiographies and documentaries. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at them. It's like, okay, everybody everybody has,
1: I've said this a million times. I think everybody has a book in them, whether whether it's a memoir or what, but I think everyone owes it to their family, their friends, their loved ones, their fans in the case of these two to put it down on paper and tell your story in a way that only you can, you know? And so I, I really appreciate that. Well, my two picks are not actually autobiographies, memoirs, biographies this week, which is kind of a shock, but (laughs) mine are uh, both self-help books. So I, yes. And personal growth and development books. So I'm sure that you've caught wind of this on social media, but I had a big life change at the end of April, early May. I went full-time freelance. And mm-hmm. so that was uh, simultaneously the most terrifying and best decision of my life and yes. you know, becoming my own boss and on all of the things. And so I have really been leaning into personal growth books and especially from female founders. Um, I mm-hmm. I don't know if I call myself a female founder, but I am a female. You are. <laughs> no, thank, thank you. So mm-hmm. are you. So are you. But so I've been on this huge self-help book kick lately. And I say lately, I mean, let's be honest. I read these inspirational books all the time, but there's two books I want to highlight today that are in that vein. And the first is called Dream First, Details later by Ellen Bennett. And the second Hmm. is Growing
0: Boldly by Emily Lay. Have you ever heard of these women? Heard of one of the women, but not either of the books. So I'm excited. I'm making a note of them myself. (laughs)
1: Well, you know what, whenever we do see each other in person, I'll bring my dog-eared copies of both books to you to check out because they're both really, they're both really moving. So both of these women are entrepreneurs that I look up to. Ellen Bennett is the founder of apron company, Headley & Bennett. right. Emily Lay is the creator of The Simplified Planner, which I was obsessed with in graduate school, and she now hosts a podcast I enjoy called Simplified, and basically her three-step approach to life is uh, simplify your life, plan, and execute, And so Ellen encourages readers to kind of go for it before you have it all figured out. I think so many of us, myself included, for many years spend years what she calls in the book frozen and, you know, waiting for, quote unquote, the right moment to take the job leap or to have Mm -hmm. a child or to get married or to buy a house or to do whatever it is that's in your heart. And it's kind of, she kind of preaches progress over perfection and just start doing the work, you know, kind of flying the airplane while it's still being built. Um, And she writes, she quotes Susie Kasim and says, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Absolutely. And
0: failure Absolutely.
1: Failure is such a teacher. I know you know this and God knows I know this is that, you know, the mountaintop is for celebrating and rejoicing. I actually think I talk about this with Scott O'Neill, who is the author I had on the show this week. But, you know, the valley is where you learn and failure is the most brilliant brilliant teacher and not that any of us court failure or want it, but we certainly can learn so much from it. And so, um, really re- I'll be honest with you reading dream first details later helped me finally make the decision that this was time. And, mm. you know, cause I never felt ready, you know, I never, yes. helped, I never, like, I, I thought, okay, well, I've got to have three months salary in the bank, which I absolutely did not have when I left and like, not, not I even, mean. not even close. And, um, and, you know, I've got to have this lined out and this lined out and how, ha- but you know what, I'm figuring it out day by day. And oh, yeah. I think we all are and you don't I I just want listeners to hear that you don't have to have it all figured out because you never will if you're waiting to have it all figured out you'll wait for the rest of your life because you'll never have a perfect moment to jump I completely
0: agree the the panels are lit as we walk that's what faith is you know faith is not seeing where those panels are but if I take a step and I know this is a step in the right direction then the panels are going to light up as I go, that's you know, right. and we, we grow in those valleys. Um, we, uh, one of the things I remember putting on the blog um, this year was that we can't live in the milestones mm. because if you live in the milestones, you're going to absolutely plummet in depressive thoughts when you don't have another milestone.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's too much that's of a rollercoaster so to try to live in your life. <laughs> yeah, it's too much of a roller coaster, you know, so yeah. it's, yeah. that's crazy.
1: God, I love that so much because, you know, for me in my life, I have not yet gotten married. I do not ha- yet have children. So after I graduated from college and well, really after I graduated from graduate school that what I didn't have milestones. anymore. Right. Right. You know, when you're in school, you have a milestone every year. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you don't. And then, you know, then that's why I started to incorrectly put so much value on marriage because that was my next milestone. And I was literally dating all the wrong men and making horrible decisions to rush this process so that I could hit that next milestone. And that's such a good point because, you know, you have to, you just have to live without really, you have to live wanting to do good, but not wanting to achieve, all the time.
0: Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. It makes absolute perfect sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I know, I, I know i am preaching into the choir. So I really liked that book, because really, it it came, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? That book came at a pivotal moment in my life. I think the book was released in late April, and I left full-time work and I say I left full-time work. Let me tell you, being a freelance writer is more than full-time work. It's like, oh yes, it is. Somebody said um, <laughs> to me, and this is so true, that I work eighty hours a week, so I don't have to work forty hours a week. You know what I mean? And so that I don't have to, uh, so I can be my own boss. And so, but I left um, the stability of my old job April thirtieth. So it just really came to me at the right time. And and another book is this Emily Lay book. So. A lot like our interview this week with Scott O'Neill, Emily really encourages readers to grow boldly and find out what really matters to you in life. And if you'll oblige me, I'd like to read her five key practices to living a life you love.
0: Absolutely. Please do.
1: Yeah. So she says, um, and she's faith-based as well. So this fits in with our conversation. She says, believe in who you are and whose you are. I love that. Use Mm -hmm. what you have, imagine the life you dream of, love your people and all people well, and do what matters and forget the rest. So I really enjoyed both of these books because Mm -hmm. they both really focus on living your life to the fullest, which is what I'm trying to do. And there are days in my new, I'm like two and a half months in May 1st was day one. So I'm like, what is that? Like ten weeks into this new journey, and there are days that I wish I hadn't done it. You know, because I love stability, I love control, and I um, sometimes don't have either of those things. Waiting for right. the text to come in, but I'm so glad I took the chance and I I took the leap. And I'll never I will I would have always regretted if I had never tried. And yes. so, those two books are my picks this week. Growing Boldly, Emily Lay, Dream First Details Later, Ellen Bennett, and you can, I will bring them to you when I see you next. How about that?
0: I'm telling you, that's Christmas already. And getting to
1: just share a meal with you would, oh my gosh, just be the the highlight. So, okay, last question for you. I know, again, I feel like I say this every time with all of my guests, you know, this is like the hardest question I could ever ask a voracious reader like you, but if you had to choose your all-time favorite book what would it be? And yes, you are right.
0: It's <laughs> so question, hard. It's so question hard. Is terrible. It's absolutely yeah, I get terrible. to do this
1: every week. I get to do this every <laughs> week. So it's not fair. I'll just have to have you back
0: on the show so you can share another one. That, that sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. Um, there are two books that changed my life. So I will share one of them. There, there are specifically two that anytime anybody asks me that question, I say, well, there are two that changed my life, but I will share one of them on your show. Well, then you can share the next one
1: when I have you back, because I certainly okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, Um, so I went to my my bookshelf and got it. It's Boundaries, Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, and it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, I read this, I read this, I I just read, okay, go ahead.
1: Yes, I just read this book. I was like, I know I've read, yes, I read this within the past calendar
0: year perfect because what what better time than than for for you to have to have that in your in your wheelhouse um this book was one of the first books that I read and I was I remember being young I wasn't even in I think I was in high school I believe and I remember reading it it still has my marks from where I like underline stuff or whatever yes Um, yeah yeah, this is the the actual copy that I had, and um, writing notes and things of that nature. And I remember just thinking, as an introvert, sometimes um, we tend to we internalize a good bit, and some of that internalization can be to refuel us. You know, we tend to refresh ourselves in silence and solitude or in quiet spaces in nature, things like that. But sometimes it can be dangerous because we don't voice what our boundaries are. Mm. And we do that for various reasons, not speaking for all introverts in the world, but there are various reasons why people do that. One of the reasons why I would not speak up about my boundaries and feel like I didn't have the right to have any was that I didn't want to be deemed as being unlikable. Mm. So individuals that were more what I believe had more of an extroverted personality, they could just put theirs out there and everyone just got over it and it was fine. And I didn't feel like I had the liberty to do the same, which was a lie. But when I was younger, I, that's what I felt. And so when I looked at that book, um, I wanna say, I was in high school? Or college I don't know I think it was like it, it was pretty so whenever the book first came out that was when I I read it because I remember thinking boundaries that's the whole title <laughs> you know I think I I oh, think that's enough it. in that
1: one word there's a I mean I wish I would have found this book
0: in high school I would have saved myself a lot of unhealthy relationships let me tell you what about. you say and you know and since then there's like all kind of boundary um boundary derivatives, you know, so he's like boundary in families, uh, in dating, like he does a whole, they're, they're a whole bunch of other ones that descended from that. Um, yeah, 1992. So yeah. Um, and so I remember just being like, is it okay to have boundaries with different circles, like with family members, with friends at work? And I was working in high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was a a full-time church musician. I was volunteering at church. I was at church like five days out the week. (laughs) Um, So I was working and moving and shaking and I was in band and I was on the debate team and Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was doing a whole bunch of stuff. I was very, very, very active. And I remember even at that young age feeling like I don't have a no in my spirit to even give someone. I'm afraid to do that. And I don't know why I'm afraid to do that. And that book unlocked a lot of things for me because boundaries is more than just saying, no, I don't want to do that. It's about what you say yes to also. Yes. And I'm so grateful that I have had a chance to read that in high school and then help. It helped me build on it. I didn't say I have it all together, after I read it, but it definitely unlocked that door that was like, oh, okay. Yes. So when I do this, I'm actually enabling this person to say, it's okay to treat me that way. Mm. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Let me rewire my brain about that. Right. Cause I'm thinking I'm doing something that will help them, but really I'm not helping them. I'm hurting me. Wow. You know? And wow. so it was really great, and it says uh, when to say yes and when to say no, and uh, how to take control of your life. And I just that book right there was one of the ones that that changed everything.
1: No, it's a great one. And my new philosophy, by the way, is if it's not a hell yes, it's a no from me, respectfully. That's yes. that's
0: exactly it. That's exactly it. I uh, think John DeRonda mentioned time that too. in my
1: life, like I can't believe that twenty twenty one is halfway over. I don't already. Have, we don't have the time to say yes to anything that doesn't set our souls on fire. You know, no, we do
0: not. We just no, we do don't not. have
1: the time. I mean, if COVID taught us anything, it's that time is not promised and tomorrow is that's not it. promised. And that's it. So you have to set those boundaries. And I think people so incorrectly think. That boundaries are so selfish, but they're actually very selfless because when I set healthy boundaries, I bring my best self to every relationship that I'm a part of, and so that's me serving you by saying no. And I know that kind of seems cockamamie and weird, but it is.
0: And it is. And it is even if it's time, even if it's spending time with someone. Like there are certain people that I prefer to spend solitude time with like you know let's go you know to lunch let's have dialogue then there's some individuals I'd rather be in a group setting because we're just not that intimate you know we don't have that type of intimate relationship Mm -hmm. and that's okay with me I'm okay with the distance that we have and even learning to say yes to more of those people to have those relationships with it gives me time and energy to truly pour into the relationships that I really want to nourish and Mm -hmm. and that nourish me and then the ones that are still good to have you know they're my peers or their associates their colleagues we can still have a healthy relationship as long as I am not expecting too much out of it right and so the no then leaves me to be freed up for the yes which is what you were just talking about
1: that's right that's right. That's right. And I mean, if it, if it doesn't set my soul on fire, I just don't have time for it right now. And that's, and that it's, you know, if that sounds selfish, then I I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm actually not sorry because I'm, I, I don't, I have a finite amount of time and I want to spend that's it. with it. people I love doing what I love and doing what God has called me to do. And so I, I'm a notorious lifelong people pleaser. One of the main reasons that I'm in therapy working on that, working on my boundaries, which have historically right. not been good. And that book, I have sometimes people will bring a book to the table that I've not read. And so I can't, you know, second that pick, but I second this pick. This is this is a great book. And it is an oldie, but it still holds up. I mean, it's 1992. So that's nearly 30 mm-hmm. years ago. And every word on the pages are still words that we all need to hear today. It's
0: definitely still Viable, even about forgiveness. Um, I remember writing this, and I um, well, I made a mark of it. And mm. one of the quotes says, um, "The Bible is clear about two principles: we always need to forgive, but we don't always achieve reconciliation."
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> you know, and it says forgiveness. Uh, what what you get from that is that forgiveness takes one, reconciliation takes two, and Ooh. that was something. It sounds so simple, but. For me, one of the things that I was having a hard time dealing with was that if I forgive you, that means we're supposed to be friends again. We're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to go back to normal. And that is not that's true. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there are viable lessons in there, I that's that one book right there. When I read that in high school, I was like, wow, okay. No you're a lucky, <laughs> lucky lady that you found that so early in your
1: journey because I found it at 34. And I wish I would have had that as a springboard 20 years ago. So- How
0: awesome is it that a, a piece of work like that could still be living, mm-hmm. you know, that that long and through through time spans to where it's still as potent as it is at 34 oh, as it potent. was, you know what I mean, back then. So I, I think that's great.
1: Good. that That's a great pick. And so I want to share my yesteryear pick. So as I kind of keyed mm-hmm. up earlier in the episode this writer and i'm curious to know if you've ever read her work is if i could write like any other writer it would be laura hillenbrand who wrote unbroken have you read laura hillenbrand before
0: i've read parts of her work i haven't finished a complete work yet Mm -hmm. remember i told you i have a long list of books i'm working through Yep. that's yeah she's one of the authors I'm I'm, is on the list
1: (laughs) yes so she also wrote sea biscuit which is a great book too but unbroken is the pick that i want to highlight today um it tells the story of a world war ii prisoner of war uh, many of you might have seen the movie which i believe was directed right. by angelina jolie it's a great movie but please do not miss this book she makes you feel as though you are louis and you are and of course it's nonfiction. um and i believe louis passed away not long after she finished the book and I, first of all i mean laura i just wish you'd write a hundred more books but uh because i just her writing is just so poetically beautiful yeah Um, i just i just want to i think i've read unbroken i i reread books sometimes and i think i've read that book like five times and i want to reread it again she is one of the best writers of this generation and i treasure this book so there's my my yesteryear pick for you so i'm so glad you came on the show my friend where can our listeners find
0: you Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. So uh, listeners can find me on my site, which you mentioned before, it is uh, dot com, And Rachel said it exactly correct. <laughs> the right is in your writing with a pen. So mm-hmm. W-R-I-T-E, Wade, W-A-D is in delightful, E. <laughs> so uh, Um, i post-weekly if I'm too tired or sleepy then it may be two weeks but it usually is every Wednesday and I also have a podcast that I co-host with the Jasmine Teets called Queens Be Like Uh, we are currently in our off season right now because we are big about self-care so we give ourselves breaks Um, we're both introverts so we understand that too So we're in our off season, we give ourselves at least two months (laughs) in between um, to just give us a minute. Um, But in terms of episodes, uh, seasons one through four are there um, on Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. So wherever you listen to podcasts, um, we're there. So in terms of my words, they are on both of those um, platforms, as well as on social media as well
1: totally worth a follow a listen a read just so much so much good it is so good to catch up with you I'm serious we will have to do this in person soon and listeners check in on Monday and Thursday next week so speaking of self-care I will be on vacation next week so what I'm going to do and yes so what I'm going to do instead of running a Thursday three next week is I'm going to do two author interviews okay I've just got to tell you who they are can I tell you who they are? I'm, so uh, I'm to tell telling them. you and the rest of the world who they are. Okay. On Monday, we're going to have Cameron Hamilton and Lauren Speed from Love is Blind on Netflix. What? Yes. Yes. and there's you know who I'm talking about right yes I do adorable couple and on Thursday we're going to have the bachelorette Desiree Hartsock Siegfried so it's going to be a week of love oh my
0: goodness I know it's
1: going to be a week of of love advice and speaking of boundaries right so read the book (laughs) boundaries and then listen to these two interviews um right we all three of them were just so lovely. And I think listeners, you will enjoy those conversations so much about love and relationships. So happy Mm -hmm. Thursday to all. And